Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are continuing our political film series with a movie from the 1970s. This came out in 1976. It's All the President's Men, starring Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford. So we will be talking about that today based on the real-life events of the Watergate scandal and the two journalists at the Washington Post that uncovered that scandal. That's what this movie is based on, if you haven't seen it. So we'll be talking about that today here on the Silver Screen Podcast. And Katie, how are you today? I am doing very well. Thank you, Jared. I'm also enjoying this lovely, uh, we've had, had, I I don't want to call it a heat wave, um, but it's not frigid outside. So I've been able to get more walks in and people are eating, like you can go to restaurants and stuff outside and feel safer. So I think that's been really great. But I will say I've been, um, I feel like this election, regardless of where you stand, has been very stressful and I've barely slept this week. So I'm looking forward to Figuring out the results and getting sleep in yes. this weekend. So uh, we are recording this on uh, Friday and we're still waiting for mm. the results as of this point. By the time you hear this episode, hopefully we have determined the winner in the 2020 presidential election. Right. So, But right. as of right now, we do not know still officially who, who has won. So yeah, it has been a four-day process at this point that <laughs> the longer and longer it drags on, just seems like, will it ever end? So yeah. I think in this age of social media and uh, technology and the ability to check stuff so often, it's even more like pronounced than like I think of the 2000 election, which I was alive for, but yeah. don't really remember much about because I was seven. But, you know, that election had the the huge thing with Florida between Bush and Gore and all of that. But yes. it seemed like, you know, we didn't have Twitter and Facebook and all that back then and internet access wasn't as great. So I feel like you just heard about that. I mean, that was a big controversy that took a while to get figured out, but I feel like you didn't hear constant updates. I don't know, just because well, the technology I, wasn't there. <laughs> I would have been 12. I do remember it. And that was where I learned the expression hanging Chad. That's what I learned what that was. Well, it's not an expression. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. But um, I didn't know what that meant until that election. And then I also I didn't feel like the stakes were so high because our country wasn't as polarized. But also I hadn't voted in the election like I was too young to vote. Whereas now, you know, you feel like, oh, well, I voted. So I think most people want who they voted for to win. So it just feels like there's more pressure with this one. And the social media, you're totally right. It does not help. Yes. So we'll we'll uh, talk more about politics coming up here in a few minutes with all the president's men. But first, we got to do our recommendations. We have no news today and we have no corrections today. So we'll move into our recommendations. I only have one recommendation for today, and it's kind of related to movies. Uh, Matthew McConaughey has a new book out. It's called Green Lights, um, and I heard him do a radio interview. I was listening to a sports talk show, and he was on this sports talk show doing a radio interview, and after the interview, he convinced me to go buy the book, so I got it on my Kindle. Um, it's very interesting. It's I haven't finished it yet. It's a quick read, though. I'm already about halfway done, and I've only been reading it for probably an hour and a half, two hours, so just stories from his childhood and then throughout his life as an actor and kind of growing up and going to Texas and, and all of that kind of stuff, so it's an interesting book. I will say, if if you're able to get a print copy, that would probably be better. Um, he journaled basically throughout for many years of his life. He's kept a journal mm-hmm. and there are excerpts of that journal in the book, like pages of the journal. Um, but on the Kindle, at least on my version, you have to hit a button to see what it kind of translates into with his handwriting. Um, so I would recommend probably getting a print copy just because it'll be easier to see 
those pages, um, you know, in an actual book in a little bit better experience of reading, but I'm really enjoying the book so far. And, uh, he's, he's always been, he's always seemed to me like he's been a very down to earth celebrity, just kind of tells it like it is not really putting on a front or anything. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of comes across in the book too. Like when you read it, it's very much just seems like the Matthew McConaughey that you've kind of always known as an, as an actor. So that's awesome. I also ordered it, Jared. So I, Very nice. <laughs> mine, I don't know why, but mine was back ordered on Amazon. It has been wildly okay. popular though. I'm not yeah, surprised, yep. um, but I've heard great things about it, but I'm going to get mine next week. It said, so I'm really excited to read it, but cool. We'll be on the same, well, around the same time reading the same book. Um, I, so I have been very stressed this week. I have done a ton of reading and a ton of coloring to slow my heart rate down and it seems to be helping. Um, that's good. I read fear by Bob Woodward this week at the beginning of the week. I finished it. Um, it was excellent. And I do have to say, obviously, um, I, I think you would think it's painted one way, but Woodward, which comes up later in the episode we're talking about here is does such a great job about researching things. And he, he actually, um, so he started, this also comes up in some of the facts that I found as a Republican. Um, now I don't know that he says it directly, but he definitely leans more Democrat now, but he, part of what Mm -hmm. is so appealing to me, he's a personal hero of mine. And part of the reason he is, is because he is so good at being very bipartisan with his reporting. Like he doesn't really pick a side. He does at the end of the book, you know how he feels about the situation with the president, but he never just, it's, it's never slander. Like he doesn't just make things Mm -hmm. up. He always has facts, but the book was excellent. So if you are interested in that, um, I love his writing style. And it keeps you really engaged and also is educational. So that's one of my recommendations. Um, Another one is called Ties That Tether. It's a book that was a book of the month pick. But if you, like me, I'm trying to read books this year that are either talking about the black experience, the black community, um, or written by primarily women. This book fits all of those. So this woman that wrote the book, um, it's about a Nigerian woman who falls in love with someone who isn't Nigerian, but she swore when her father was dying that she would marry a Nigerian man and pass on those traditions. And this man that she happens to fall in love with at the beginning, he is Spanish. So they have just a lot of cultural differences and they have to incorporate their cultural backgrounds to create their family or whatever they want to do. And um, it was fantastic. And it was also, it's definitely like a... There's a lot of lighthearted elements to it. So highly recommend. And it's a quick read. So if you're looking for something that is not, you know, going to bring you down to a bad place, I highly mm-hmm. recommend Ties That Tether. Um, I'll get the author for you. Is I should it, have um, looked that up. I'm fiction sorry. Or, it's or nonfiction? Oh, fiction. Totally fiction. Um, okay, I know gotcha. that Jane, the woman's name is Jane, but I want to make sure I try and pronounce her last name correctly. Okay. Um, one second. I've almost got it here. Um, Jane... Igaro, I-G-H-A-R-O. Um, I believe this is her first book too, and it was so, so good. So shout out book of the month again. And then lastly, I'm going to finish a book today. Um, Jared, I know you and I both like Frederick Backman, who, or Bachman, mm-hmm. I think it's Backman, that wrote A Man Called Uwe and Bear Town and a bunch of others. He wrote this book that I got from book of the month called Anxious People. And I was like, this is the perfect week to read this. <laughs> and it has made me laugh out loud at least five to like 10 times, I would say. Um, but, but audibly laugh. Um, it is about a person that starts robs a bank, but it's kind of like bank robbery gone wrong. 
Um, but okay. you find out what led this person to rob the bank and then it becomes a hostage situation, but it's also a comedy. So I'm not quite done with it, but I'll definitely finish today. But if you also want something lighthearted, that's a great one. And he's a great writer. And then I also wanted to tell you, I did watch the SNL Adele episode and the Chad. I thought the Chad thing was my second favorite of his little series they've done. Gotcha. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I have that book by Frederick Bachman on hold um, or Bachman on hold at the library oh, right now. So should I be know, able to start that in a few Bachman weeks. I too. I don't know what it is. Awesome. So and then, um, <laughs> who knows? And then... Did you hear about The Bachelorette last night, Jared? Um, I Did we get a new Bachelorette? That's kind of... I don't watch it, but I heard there was a lot we of drama. <laughs> so I haven't finished the episode because I am working from home, so I have to work today. Um, but I'm going to finish it tonight. I watched early this morning because they put it on Hulu, you know. I have watched half of it, and it is insane. Uh, truly, I know they say everything is dramatic on that show and it really is. And I consider it, um, trash that I just love. (laughs) Um, but this, this was like next level weirdness, um, stuff that happened last night has never happened on the show before. And yeah, they've now replaced her with somebody else, Tasha, who I love. She was on a previous season. Um, but it was madness. So I'm excited tonight. Um, I think in between, panicking about the election i will watch the bachelorette and maybe one or the other will make me feel better about myself very nice so yeah lots of i heard <laughs> lots of drama on the bachelorette so so much drama <laughs> so with that we'll get into uh, our discussion on all the president's men now first up we always like to mention awards that a movie has won or was nominated for this movie was nominated for eight oscars and won four at the 1977 oscars it won best adapted screenplay Best set design, which I, we think is production design now. I think we're pretty we're pretty mm-hmm. correct on that. Also, best sound, and then Jason Robards won a best supporting actor Oscar for playing Ben Bradley in the film. So this movie lo- lost best picture to Rocky, another really good movie um, with Sylvester Stallone. And I could feel like this is probably a little bit better of a movie than Rocky, but both of them are very good movies. So I really, I mean, I would have think preferred this to win best picture in that year but losing to rocky i think is is a is a fair opponent probably so so i i also really like rocky i would easily pick this movie over rocky Mm -hmm. but that's just me um but i do think rocky is a great one i mean if you're gonna lose to one i understand it being that but for me this is also like a forrest gump um Shawshank Redemption situation. Yeah, yep. I would have picked Shawshank easily over Forrest Gump, but Forrest Gump won. So same with this this deal. I would have picked this over Rocky. So this was released on April 9th of 1976. It's rated PG, but it has some F-bombs in it. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on in this episode. <laughs> uh, and HBO Max, where I watched this, um, actually has it rated R. So they they changed the rating for mm-hmm. that, which we, Katie has a fun fact about that a little bit later on. So it's two hours and 18 minutes, IMDb 8.0 out of 10, and then Rotten Tomatoes, 94% critics, 92% audience. And then box office-wise, $70 million, $70.6 million um, for domestic and also worldwide. So, And if you don't know the synopsis, the Washington Post reporters 
Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein uncover the de- uncover the details of the Watergate scandal that leads to President Richard Nixon's resignation. So on our last episode, we talked about Frost Nixon, which is the interview that Richard Nixon did with David Frost after the Watergate scandal. This movie covers the uncovering um, of the Watergate scandal, basically up until the time that Richard Nixon is inaugurated for his second term. And then after that, all the details about Watergate come out shortly after that happens. And that's where the movie ends, basically. So you don't really see anything of the repercussions of what happens, like the the fallout, if you will. You just kind of see the the researching of the story and the writing of the story and then the release of it at the end of the movie. So some critics reviews for this one. First, we have Jeff Andrew of Time Out, who says, remarkably intelligent, working both as an effective thriller, even though we know the outcome of their investigations, and as a virtually abstract charting of the dark corridors of corruption and power. And then the Variety staff of Variety said this about the movie. How Holbrook is outstanding. This actor here in, in near total shadow is as compelling as he is in virtually every role played. So, and he is very good in this movie. And then finally, we have Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times, who says it provides the most observant study of working journalists we're ever likely to see in a feature film. The only one that I would think of that comes close to it is probably Spotlight, which came out a few years ago um, yes. about a scandal that was involved with the Catholic Church, um, also involving the the Boston Globe at that point. But Ben Bradley was involved with that paper as well. So um, that's... Yes, I have... <laughs> I have a fun fact about that coming up later as well. Very nice. So that's about um, that that situation. And I think that movie also focuses a lot on the journalist, which this one does as well. Um, and then The Post, which came out a few years ago, is about the same situation, but it kind of focuses on it from Ben Bradley's standpoint and not so much the standpoint of the actual reporters at the, at the Washington Post. So... But overall, really good movie, and we'll talk more about it here on the Silver Screen Podcast. It was directed by Alan J. Polka, um, and he was attached to many famous Hollywood films. He was a producer for To Kill a Mockingbird. He also produced and directed Presumed Innocent, and The Pelican Brief, and Sophie's Choice. So all of those movies are, are very popular movies. Um, and he was nominated for three Oscars. So congrats to him on his, his nominations of three Oscars for Best Writing, Best Directing, and then Best Picture for To Kill a Mockingbird. And he died at the age of 70 in 1998. So lived a nice life um, and directed a lot of good films throughout his career. And we will talk more about All the President's Men coming up here in just a second on the Silver Screen Podcast. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about all the president's men. And we're going to talk about the cast now. First, we have Robert Redford, who plays Bob Woodward. Oh, Robert Redford. I love this man so much. If that didn't come across, I truly think he is one of the most attractive human beings I've ever seen in my entire life. However, that does not stand today. He is not, I wouldn't say he's aging super well, um, but very, very attractive man. You know how I think, Jared, we've talked about how I, there's definitely a period where Brad Pitt was like at his peak, which he still looks amazing. (laughs) But I feel like Robert Redford, this was his peak, was this movie, this time period, 70s baby. I love it. Anyway, um, Robert Redford, he, of course, plays Bob Woodward in this film. He is one of my personal favorite actors. He was born in Texas in 1936. He is currently 84 years old. 
He is best known for The Natural, Ordinary People, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and All the President's Men. He's been nominated for Oscars for Best Director, Best Picture, and Best Actor. He won a Best Directing Oscar in 1981 for the movie Ordinary People. He has also been awarded the Academy's Honorary Award in 2002 that recognized his work as an actor, producer, and director, his creation of the Sundance Film Festival, if you didn't know he created that, Mm -hmm. and his inspiration to independent and innovative filmmakers everywhere. He is currently filming a documentary called Desert of the Real. So I will look forward to seeing that. Yes. Then we have Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman plays Carl Bernstein, of course. Hoffman is best known for Tootsie, Midnight Cowboy, Rain Man, and The Graduate. He's been nominated for seven Best Acting Oscars. He's won twice. He won for Kramer vs. Kramer in 1980 and again for Rain Man in 1989. He is a highly regarded actor known for taking on difficult roles and also for being difficult to work with um, because he has a very perfectionist nature. I have heard some bad things about okay. Dustin Hoffman, so I'll just <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um I'll leave it at that. That's fine. But he is a great actor, so I can certainly say that. He is currently 83 years old. And next up, you can see him in the movie As Sick As They Made Us. Okay. Then lastly, we have Hal Holbrook. I love Hal Holbrook. And if you all don't know, um, I think you would definitely recognize him. He's been in so many things, even as he's now 95 years old and he is still in movies. And his grandson um, is now in movies as well. So if you're ever looking for that connection, it's cool. Um, he was born in Cleveland, Ohio, which I thought was fascinating. Um, I said he's 95 years old with the other cool kids, Angela Lansbury, Betty White, and Jimmy Carter, who we've mentioned <laughs> in other episodes. He also served our country in the army in World War II. The movies he's best known for that you would probably know is Into the Wild, The Fog, Lincoln, and of course, All the President's Men. He has been nominated for one Best Supporting Actor Oscar for his role in Into the Wild in 2008, where he was the oldest male actor to ever be nominated for an Oscar. Next, he is rumored to star in a movie called The Secrets We Share, but that hasn't been confirmed. And then this movie also stars some very famous faces, a lot of men, um, but you would definitely recognize them, even if you don't associate their name with the actor. I think a lot of people would recognize them because a lot of these people do look very different than they did in the 70s, obviously. Jack Warden, Martin Balsam, Jason Robards, Ned Beatty, Stephen Collins, and Meredith Baxter also starred in this. Very nice. So great cast in this movie, which we'll talk about a little bit more later on. But first, we have some fun facts, of course, about the Watergate scandal and about this movie. Katie really enjoys researching things about Watergate and Richard Nixon in general. So she found some facts about this movie and how it relates to the actual Watergate scandal and how it kind of got developed and made and and all that stuff. Yes. So this information was all found on the WashingtonPost.com and also MentalFloss.com. They have a great article called 13 Investigative Facts About All the President's Men. And uh, earlier you mentioned, Alan, I think it's Pakula, but I don't know if that's pronounced correctly, but it's P-A-K-U-L-A. And he came up in this article. I didn't include this fact, but he worked with Redford on other things. And he was just very, very well respected in the industry. Anyway, 
So back to the when we were talking about the rating, the MPAA initially gave all the president's men an R rating because of its 10 or so uses of the F word. On appeal, the ratings board relented and gave it a PG rating, making it one of the few PG films to drop the F-bomb at all, let alone 10 times. Even today, with PG-13 as an intermediary rating, any film that uses the R word or that uses that word more than a couple times is automatically rated R. Oh, I was just going to say, interesting that it wasn't, uh, you know, they haven't really changed the rating at all over time. I mean, some streaming services have changed it, but on the DVD, I'm pretty sure it still says PG. So, but yeah, one of the few PG movies yeah. that does have some some F-bombs in it. So, And then from the very beginning, I thought this was interesting about the relationship between Woodward and Bernstein. So at the beginning, Redford always thought... Um, that the movie, sorry, well, not before their relationship, prior to their relationship, Redford also thought that the most interesting thing about the story was their partnership. Um, so Woodward, like I mentioned earlier, he grew up being a Republican. He was a wasp. He was he was well off. And then Bernstein, of course, was a very liberal Jewish man. Um, but they worked together very, very well um, to help that harmonious relationship come across on the screen. Redford and Hoffman memorized each other's lines as well as their own so their characters could finish each other's sentences as they discussed the case. Um, that definitely came across to me. I never realized they did that until I read this article recently. But you can definitely tell um, some of the scenes you can see it as when they're interrogating people, mm -hmm. when they go to the different houses to ask, like, were you involved in the scandal? Did Nixon call you? Whatever. Um, but I thought that's a definite testament to the actors. They did such a good job with those scenes. And then Robert Redford, he also shaped the book it was based on. This movie was based on the book by Woodward and Bernstein. Um, and it's fantastic. I've read that one, too. So they had trouble figuring out how they were going to bill the cast because they were both famous. Um, mm -hmm. But the <laughs> Robert Redford at the time, he contacted the Washington Post to talk to both of them in October of 1972 when the Watergate story was still unfolding. So he was saying how interested he was. He had no, he didn't want to star in it or anything. He was just telling them like, hey, while you're writing the book, I think it would be great to lay this out piece by piece, like a procedural. So say like, we did this, then we did this, then we did this, and it led to this. Um, Woodward and Bernstein didn't like the idea at first, uh, but then they realized that that was probably a pretty good idea. And so Woodward even says he has quoted as saying he laid the seed for that in the very first phone call. Nice. And then Redford, uh, like I mentioned, he only wanted to produce the film. He didn't want to star in it. Um, so he originally was like, I just want to produce it. But the studio made him star in it. Um, and then Redford also had an idea to make the film in black and white kind of like a documentary. And he didn't want big actors. He just wanted the story to be told because, you know, Redford is big into documentaries and he he is very politically engaged and he just likes truthful storytelling. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Warner Brothers knew it was going to be a really pricey film because they had already paid $450,000 for the book rights. Um, so they needed someone with top billing so that they could sell the movie. So Redford agreed to play one of the leads and then they needed somebody else famous. So that's how they figured out Dustin Hoffman. Nice. And then going back to the um, billing thing that I was talking about. Okay, so a tricky issue arose when they were deciding, should we put Red Redford or Hoffman first? So Hoffman was newer to Hollywood than Redford, but he wasn't nearly as big of a star yet. Um, oh, but yeah, but he already had three Oscar nominations under his belt. Um, so Woodward and Bernstein were treated equally always in the byline, but they were like, well, who should we credit first? So 
The agents of the two actors settled on, on a compromise, and it was similar to the one they used for John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. So Redford got top billing in the ads, trailers, and other marketing. But in the film itself, I even noticed this, Hoffman gets the top spot. Okay. Um, and then this mental floss also made a good point, too. They said, you know, we often say Woodward and Bernstein. That's how they're referred to. But the bylines in the newspaper always lifted them, listed them alphabetically. So it was always Carl Bernstein, Bob Woodward. Okay. And then the last two, these are just fun. You know, I love, I love a good Hollywood story, even if it's, <laughs> even if it's really sad. So Nora Ephron is another one of my favorite people of all time. I could, I could just have an entire episode of me talking about Nora Ephron, but I will spare you. Um, so Nora Ephron, of course, she wrote When Harry Met Sally, uh, Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail, my favorite romantic comedy ever. Um, she and her sisters are all famous. They're all writers and actors. But Nora Ephron originally was a journalist and wanted to work at the Washington Post, and she was one of the first women to do so. She met Carl Bernstein when they were working at the Washington Post, like the Carl Bernstein, and they got married in 1976. They were only married for four years, and uh, trust me, this doesn't paint Bernstein in a good light. Um, So while she was seven months pregnant with their second child, he cheated on her. Oh, geez. So, and he was referred to, yeah, he was referred to in this article as the Watergate busting 70s era, 70s era Billy Crudup, because Billy, <laughs> of course, also has cheated on a pregnant fiance before. Anyway, um, they did resolve that. I mean, they did divorce and they went on to be very happy with other people. But Bernstein, they interviewed him um, when she had died. She did die very young of cancer, which was horrible. Um, We would have been I think I was around 10 when she died. Um, But anyway, he said we became constructive divorced parents. Um, They did share custody of their two children. They had two boys. He said they also consulted on major parental discussions and shared immense pride in their accomplishments. So that's really nice. So they were respectful of each other, even though he was a hound dog. Um, And then the last thing I have to share. So, Jared, you kind of touched on this. So there's a Ben Bradley connection. Um, So Ben Bradley, of course, is who Jason Robards plays in this film. He was the editor of The Washington Post when the Watergate scandal broke. His son, Ben Bradley Jr., was working at the Boston Globe, like you pointed Mm -hmm. out. So when the Spotlight story broke that the movie Spotlight is based on about the priests and the misconduct in the church, Ben Bradley Jr., the son, was the editor at the Boston Globe. So I thought it was just crazy that two movies that I love so much and two, I guess, scandals that I'm so interested in both were under the the leadership of Ben Bradley, if you will. Yeah. And two two giant newspapers too, the Boston Globe and the Washington Post kind of being owned by or being run by the same family is kind of surprising as well. So yes, yeah. but they're involved in, in both of those movies. So with that, we'll move on to our likes and our dislikes about this movie. Uh, my first like, you kind of already mentioned it in your fun facts, but Redford and Hoffman have really good chemistry with one another. Um, it makes their relationship seem believable. It makes them seem like they've worked together at the Washington Post for quite a while and also that they have um, a good friendship, even if it's kind of like partially a friendship and partially a working relationship because there are times in this movie where they will argue with each other or they'll disagree on something or or something of that will happen. But I think they have really good chemistry in this film overall. It makes it seem believable but that they could be partners who have worked together for, for a while and are investigating this this story. 
Oh, I completely agree. Um, I think it was fascinating to learn that fact about Hoffman and Redford working together and like finishing each other's sentences because it, it does seem like Woodward and Bernstein had such a good close relationship. I'm sure they fought and disagreed. We even see some of that in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the acting, the casting of the whole film is so good. And I do, I feel like I say that every movie, but I also think we review a lot of really good filmmaking. Um, but especially in this movie, it was, this is one that I thought was very similar to Frost Nixon, where everybody really added stuff. Like Jason Robards as Ben Bradley really added a lot to the film. Hal Holbrook, his deep throat was fascinating as well. Oh, and forgive me for the aside. Uh, if people ever wonder, because I know a lot of people, if you're not familiar with Watergate, if you wonder about the term deep throat, why the man was called that. So they, they started calling the man that actually was deep throat was named Mark Felt mm -hmm. and he worked for the FBI. And he revealed shortly before his death, years and years and years later, that he was Deep Throat. And the reason he got that moniker is because they were doing deep background, which means, you know, he was giving them direct information, but they had to, they couldn't reveal the source. Yeah. Because it would have endangered his life. And also, the, there was a porn film called Deep Throat out at the time starring a woman named Linda Lovelace. And it was super, super popular and everybody was talking about it. No joke. So that is also why they thought of the name. <laughs> so if you're ever like, oh, that's so dirty. It is dirty, but there's a reason for why they called him that. Um, but I always think that's fascinating to share because people, I do think people wonder about that anyway. Yes. But the casting was phenomenal in this movie. And I loved, I loved um, along with, the deep throat connection. I loved the lighting in those scenes, mm -hmm. um, how they, you could see his eyes, you know, but you, and you could see the outline of his face and stuff, but you couldn't really see him straight on with the camera. I thought that was really clever. They had a lot of really good lighting in this movie to kind of show if something was like, um, kind of a dangerous situation, etc. Yeah, and all the all the situations where they meet in the movie um, is all like you said, like low light, like parking garages or alleyways or something like that. So it does really set kind of the tone that hey, this guy is kind of trying to help out, but it's also a dangerous situation that both of them are in, and they have to be very careful with you know making sure that the information that gets revealed is reported correctly and and all of that stuff. So, do you remember? When I went to the Watergate building and then saw the parking spot like a year and a half ago, two years ago. I don't ago. think so. Uh, I know you did oh, that, but I, I forgot that you did that. So <laughs> I will have to post about that uh, when I post this episode. But I went. So the parking garage is nowhere near the Watergate building. So if you okay. go looking for it, prepare yourself for a nice little drive because you're going to go to Virginia. Um, <laughs> but the where they met, it was this. There's a. There's so many, I mean, I'm clearly like off the rails because I'm so into this whole investigation, but I had, I was working another job at the time and I was on a business trip in DC. Well, the flight that I had got delayed. So it was like a six or seven hour delay. It was a really long one. So I was still out. I wasn't even at the airport when I got the notice that the flight was delayed. So I was like, great, I have time to kill. So I wondered how close the Watergate building was and I found it. So then I went there. You can't, you can walk in the lobby and that's it. You okay. can't just wander around the Watergate building, even if you're as crazy about this whole thing as I am. Um, but I did talk to a very nice man who told me what he knew about the building. Anyway, so I took a bunch of pictures and then I found a cab or an, I think I took an Uber or something and went all the way to Virginia, which isn't far away, but there is a lot of traffic all the time in D.C. Mm -hmm. So I rode in a cab 
all the way to where I had to Google where it was. It told me an intersection. I found the parking garage and then I found it actually, I remember it. It's D32 is the spot if you're ever looking for it. So if you look for spot D32, it's right next to this, to one of the posts or whatever that's in the the parking garage. And that is where Deep Throat had all his conversations with Bob Woodward. But I thought I was going to cry. And it was one of the hottest days I remember of that entire year. And I was lugging around two suitcases because I had been there for a while. And just, I think I lost like 10 pounds of water weight that day, (laughs) but it was magnificent. But the craziest thing about when you finally find this place, which to me felt so much more dramatic because of what it stood for, there is a piece of paper taped, just taped, To the post that's like, hey, do you guys remember how that president (laughs) resigned? Resigned. The only president ever to do so. Here's a piece of paper taped to this post to remind you of what happened here. (laughs) I thought it was a joke. It's not a joke. Not even a plaque. No. However, there is a plaque outside of the parking garage. But I will definitely post about this adventure. I was about to ask you if there was a sign or a plaque or something. (laughs) There's a plaque outside, but I will tell you it is. Please, if you if you do want to see this, I think it's worth seeing. But plan extra time because to get there, it's not a convenient location. Um, It depends on traffic and everything. And even when you get in the parking garage, it's enormous. So it was even hard to find the spot. Um, But fortunately, thanks to Google, I was able to do all of that while I was like in the cab. And while I was walking around, I was able to look it all up. Sorry. So I digress, (laughs) but it's a great it's a great moment in my life. (laughs) Very cool. So another thing I like about this movie is the cinematography. Um, especially when they are in the newsroom, in the Washington Post newsroom. They use a lot of like steady cam shots and th- and one shots as well, kind of like when Bernstein mm-hmm. or Woodward are walking through the newsroom. They usually have like a wider shot of them just so you can see how big the newsroom is and everybody doing their stuff. And if you read the Wikipedia article about this movie, they went to extensive lengths to make sure that the newsroom yes. you see in the movie is pretty much exactly as the Washington Post newsroom was at that time. So So they weren't allowed to film at the post for the movie, but they did allow them to come in and do research and take measurements and observations and pictures and all of that stuff. So that's what they did for this particular movie and then basically recreated the newsroom for um, this particular movie because they're in it so much that it is kind of a central location in the film. But if you're ever wondering, is that actually what the Washington Post newsroom looks like back in the 70s? The answer is, yeah, it's it's pretty accurate, as, as accurate as they could get it. So... Jared, that's an excellent point because that was in the Mental Floss article too and I left that one out. But they said that the people that came to help with the film, um, people that worked at the Post and then people who had been there at the time like would see the movie later and they were just astonished at how much it looked exactly like what the newsroom looked like then. Um, and you, that's a wonderful segue too because one of my, fav- my, my top likes of this film is that it was historically pretty accurate. Um, the one scene I know was complete crap was <laughs> when uh, Dustin Hoffman went, Ned Beatty's character, he plays um, Dardis, and he goes, he talks to that, the secretary, who of course is a woman, and she's like, oh, Mr. Dardis can't see you today. Maybe you can come back tomorrow. And they do that whole you yeah. know back and forth thing. That never happened. Okay. So he didn't like lure her out so he could break into the guy's office. That never happened. But other than that, the film is pretty spot on to like how they met the the whole like putting the flag in the flower pot mm-hmm. to notify Mark Felt that he was ready to talk to him. Um, the late night phone calls and meeting at like 2 a.m. different places that that happened because they really did receive death threats. 
um, especially when they started exposing things. I mean, if you can think about how crazy things are right now, this week with this election, people threatening other people, um, it's complete madness. But this kind of thing was happening in 1972, just not to this extent. But if you just think about people, how strongly they believe in whoever their particular candidate is, they will threaten people's lives, uh, especially journalists, if they're trying to expose something that is less than flattering about that candidate, especially the president. Yes. So and my final like with this movie is just it shows really how important journalism is, especially local journalism um, in this day and age where newspapers are cutting staffs and not making as much money as they used to and having to try and come up with different ideas. A movie like this really shows you that journalism is still very, very important. I mean, the Washington Post, Bern, Bernstein and Woodward took down a president basically with the with the research yeah. that they were able to find. Spotlight is the same way in terms of that. Um, and even here recently in Indianapolis, the Indy Star was the one that was behind that USA Gymnastics uh, scandal that happened. Um, local newspapers are still very important. And I like that this movie shows that journalism is still important. Um, you know, this was obviously made back in the 70s, but I think it reinforces that journalism is obviously still very important uh, today, too. Jared, I love that. I completely agree with you. That'd be my final like as well is how important journalism is. I do think, you know, ev everything can be turned into an evil. Like we talk about social media. It can definitely help some causes, but it can also hurt us as a society as well. Journalism is so important and it is a part of our society and I think a necessary one. And I also appreciate people who just tell the truth. Um, so I felt like these two, Nixon had a lot of support. And Nixon, I am, I'm adult enough to say he did some really wonderful things. Um, but I also think we talked in our episode about Frost Nixon, how it was his own. He decided to lie. He decided to do a cover up. Um, also, if people don't know about the history at the time, he was running for re-election. That was why he was trying to get dirt on the Democratic National, National mm -hmm. Convention. He was already expected to win by a landslide, and he did. But people, people, he they knew he was going to win. He was he had high ratings. The economy was doing well. They loved him, and he was going to win, hands down, going to win. And he still decided to move forward with these bad decisions and then lied and covered it up. So that's on him. But the fact that there's journalists that were willing to risk their lives, that dedicated so much of their time to expose the truth is fantastic. And I agree with you. Local journalism really does matter. Um, so I think that's that's why I'm so jazzed about this film is I, I find things like that. It's truth telling and it's storytelling at its finest. Yes. So we'll move to dislikes now. Uh, we don't have very many with this movie. Um, one dislike, though, is that it is a little long. I really enjoyed this movie. We watched it when I was in school because um, I'm a communication major. So journalism class, we watched this movie, obviously, and talked about it and took a little quiz on it and everything. Um, but it can be a little long at times. I think they that they have to kind of try and explain to you everything that went on. Um, and there's a fine line between like putting too much information in where it gets boring or becomes like a four-hour movie and not putting enough information mm -hmm. in for you to kind of have a sense of the whole story and, and what they did. So I think it, that's pretty accurate. But there are kind of parts of this movie where there's not a ton happening. Like they're not interviewing somebody or they're just talking back and forth or something like that um, just to kind of give you, the viewer, some more information about what's going on. Um, but that would be my yeah. only kind of dislike with it because everything else we said, we really enjoyed the script, the the casting, um, the, the cinematography, the set design. All of that is really great with this movie and the fact that it's based on a real life story and that the movie is pretty accurate to what happened in real life is always good too. But that that would be my only yeah. dislike because it's a, it's a little lengthy. It is over two hours. Agreed. I, 
I really only have one dislike of the film and it has to do with the length of it as well. I think it is, it's slightly too long. I am so interested in the story that it's fine for me, but I do recognize that this is not a film that would be as engaging to everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing that's difficult, I think this has to do a lot with just 2020, like the way we watch things now and the way we receive information is that people grow impatient. And also I'm guilty of this. You want to do other things while you're also watching a show or watching a movie. This movie, you cannot. I, even this time I was trying to watch, I've watched this movie. I think I've seen it over 20 times, (laughs) but even this time around, I was like, I want to pay extra attention to what's going on. But there were so many times I would like, Oh, I'd look down at my phone or I'd be like, Oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to go get a snack in the kitchen. And I could still hear what was going on, but I wasn't retaining the information as well. So I had to keep rewinding it because um, I was watching it on DVD. I would have to like skip back to the last scene. This is a movie that like, if you're not paying attention, you will miss information. And I just think that's harder for people to watch in this day and age when they're used to being able to multitask and, and watch 20 yeah. minute episodes of something. Um, but that's, yep. that is truly my only dislike of this film. Well, great. With that, we'll move on to our grades for um, All the President's Men. And I am going to grade this one out at a 90 out of 100. Ooh. So I really enjoy it. I feel like you might be going a little higher, Katie, since it was in your top 10 of all time. But overall, really enjoyable movie about a historical event. It's still good, even if you watch it multiple times. Um, you know, Redford and Hoffman are great. I can't really envision anybody else that could have been in this movie. Al Pacino was supposed to be in this movie. Oh, I forget no. as which one, either Bernstein or Woodward. I don't, probably Bernstein, I think, because um, Robert Redford was kind of already attached from the beginning yeah. but I that would not have been as good so the two that they picked were the the best two for the job I think so 90 out of 100 for me excellent I think that is a fantastic grade I am going a little higher um, I was double checking I think I've only given this grade to one other nope two other movies I am giving this a 98. Um, I think it is a nearly perfect film. You are absolutely right. It is one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. I do think it's because of how well done it is, but also I find the story so interesting. Um, I also gave that grade, if you're wondering, to North by Northwest um, by Alfred Hitchcock and also Toy Story. Um, But I love this movie. I think it is fantastic. If you haven't watched it, I strongly encourage you to do so. Um, And it's a political film with really, I think without making people incensed, like it's, even if you were a Nixon fan or are still a Nixon fan, I mean, he's passed away, but um, in, if you're Republican, I think you can watch this movie and still appreciate what mistakes Nixon made, what led him to make those decisions and really just appreciate the journalist uh, and their integrity when they're reporting this story. For sure. So that basically wraps up our thoughts on all the president's men. And up next here on the Silver Screen Podcast, we will be talking about another political movie from the 30s. That is Mr. Smith Goes to Washington with Jimmy Stewart. Um, Regarded as probably one of the the best movies of all time, honestly. It's an older movie, and I feel like it was somewhat of an underappreciated movie, or at least with today's movie culture. It just doesn't get talked about a ton, but it was nominated for many, many Academy Awards. Uh, Jimmy Stewart is great in the movie. It basically is about a, a senator that is elected and newly appointed who tries to go fight a corrupt 
political system. So with the election happening and with new people getting elected, um, you know, in various roles in the House and Senate and things like that, we thought it would be a good a good movie to cover. So we'll be talking about that next year on the Silver Screen Podcast. And wherever you listen to the show, if you don't mind to rate and review, that always definitely helps us out. Thank you so much for that. And then also you can follow us on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram and just search Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook and you will find us there. And our next episode will be Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy 